0: Brown's Talking
1: Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club loves talking birds. Every month we invite you to see the latest avian activity around Rhode Island on one of our free walks. Check out our schedule on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org. And follow us on Facebook for the latest and greatest in birding that Rhode Island has to offer. Ocean State Bird Club.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 738. And the good news about a threatened bird just keeps on coming. At least via two modest developments from our hometown of Boston... Here's an update on last week's report about the successful hatching of piping plover chicks for the first time in Boston in many years. The good news is that all four chicks have been observed taking short flights. They're at the El Street Beach in South Boston, Southie as it's known around here. And are expected to take off in a southerly direction soon. Meanwhile, in Chicago, as we've learned from our friends at birdwatchingdaily.com, piping plovers have hatched chicks for the first time since 1955. 64 years ago. Kind of a big deal because only 67 breeding pairs last year along uh, uh, Lake Michigan. The adult plovers arrived at a birding hotspot called Montrose point in early June. And in honor of that location, local birders named the new plovers, Monty and Rose. This has not been without controversy. A two-day concert was planned for late August near the nesting area there in Chicago. And concert organizers balked at the idea of moving it, even though it would have brought 20,000 people to the beach each day. But after the new chicks hatched, the organizers announced that the concert was canceled. Back here in Massachusetts, again, there's a concert we're pretty sure is not going to be canceled. It's at a beautiful place out in Lenox, Massachusetts called Tanglewood, which is the summer home of the world-famous Boston Symphony. And this is a concert that will please music lovers and birders alike, because Tanglewood is set to host for the second year in a row, The Birds of Tanglewood. On August 11th, it'll feature the Boston Symphony... ...performing pieces associated with and inspired by birds... ...and it will also include a presentation by the man... ...generally regarded as the king of New England birders... ...Wayne Peterson. More info at bso.org. We learned a while back about a study suggesting... ...that some species of birds can communicate with their chicks... ...before the chicks have hatched. Still in the egg, that is... But now we're hearing that some chicks still in the egg can pass along information to other chicks still in their eggs. Can this really be true? Let's try to find out on this visit to the Talkin' Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. We're in the Science Corner to explore this new research. With our own Debbie Bleacher. Good morning, Debbie.
3: Good morning, Ray.
2: So, what is this egg to egg communication all about?
3: It's not my breakfast talking to your breakfast, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, mine would be all scrambled. <laughs>
3: So, Well, last year, some researchers on Salvora Island, off the coast of Spain, found that the chicks of yellow-legged gulls who had heard alarm calls while still in the egg were able to crouch and hide from predators faster than chicks who hadn't heard those alarm calls. Hmm. That 2018 study seems to show that it's possible to communicate with embryos even before they hatch. Hmm.
2: But this year's study suggests that embryos not only get warnings from their parents... But can also pass along those warnings to siblings that weren't in the nest when the alarm calls were sounded. Hadn't even become eggs yet, right? Right, yes. This
3: year, those same scientists studied what happens when some embryos in a nest hear alarm calls and other ones don't. Uh huh. The researchers collected the eggs of yellow-legged gulls and made nests of three eggs. Once a day, they took two eggs out of each nest, played alarm calls to them, and put them back. They didn't touch the third egg. When the eggs hatched, all three chicks were smaller than average, and they had higher levels of stress hormones and faster reflexes. In other words, even though the third chick in each nest hadn't heard alarm calls, it looked and behaved as though it had. Hmm. The scientists think that the first two eggs in each group somehow communicated with the third egg, perhaps by vibration, which caused the chick inside to develop the same traits.
2: Wow, communicating just by vibration, that is amazing. So what do, what do the scientists think is the usefulness of this adaptation?
3: They think that if embryos can communicate with one another, then more of them can survive. So imagine that a predator prowls around a nest when only two eggs have been laid in it. The adults sound the alarm call and the first two embryos hear it. Then the predator comes back when there are three hatched chicks. They all have to be able to crouch and hide if the family is going to survive. That's a great system.
2: Yeah, not being eaten is a good thing.
3: Oh, absolutely. I don't recommend being eaten.
2: Pretty amazing stuff. Thanks, Debbie.
3: My pleasure. You're welcome,
2: Ray. That's our visit to the Science Corner for today, but we shall hear from Debbie again soon. Well, coming along in a little bit here on our show, it's our mystery bird contest. And here's a little preview of that contest. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. You might not like this one here. Tim is pushing back in his chair. I heard the sound of this bird. Trying to start the car. <laughs> that's what it sounds like, but that's not what it is. This is not a Toyota. It is not a Tesla. It is not a Mercedes-Benz. It is our mystery bird. We'll do the contest a little bit later, but we want to get you warmed up for it. Our mystery bird has been described as looking unlike any other North American bird. And that's understandable since it comes from Pakistan. It's a small chicken-like bird, with a short neck and tail, a grayish-brown back and chest, a buff-colored belly with bold black and chestnut barring on the flanks. On its head, it has a black line through the eye, extending down the neck and onto the chest. It has a white throat. Its bill and legs are red, and its wings are short and rounded. Our bird is found in arid, rocky areas across the western U.S. and southern Canada, where it forages on the ground for the seeds, on which... It feeds. That would be our mystery bird. We have a beautiful prize from Droll Yankees. It's the really super popular window-mount songbird feeder. Attaches right to your window, any window at all. And it really will stay on there, too, with a special suction cup uh, 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 attachment uh, situation there. It holds two cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. And a bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the Larkwire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds. A game all coming up on our Mystery Bird contest uh, this morning.
0: Extra, extra, read all about it.
2: Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. Lots of folks think Corona is a pretty good beer. And now it may become our favorite. That's because the folks at Corona are working on an invention that would connect the cans together without those nasty plastic six pack rings. And they're also creating a pilot program for biodegradable rings that sea creatures can actually eat safely. We'll connect you to an article about that from Forbes.com. Another great idea this week comes from the city of Regina, Saskatchewan, where they have, in collaboration with Nature Saskatchewan, set aside special habitat for at-risk birds like loggerhead shrikes and barn swallows. And those barn swallows are already saying thank you by taking a significant chunk out of the local mosquito population. We'll link you to the story from the Regina. Or is it Regina? I should have checked that. Uh, anyway, it's the Leader Post from there. That's, uh, we'll connect you on our page. And if you'd like to see some cool photos of young bald eagles being rehabilitated, check out our page for the pictures of that activity from Wild Care, Cape Cod. That's some of what's on our Facebook page right now. You can find those stories as well through an online search. Well, the thing we're about to identify is toxic to birds and other creatures and is the most common form of litter on the planet with an estimated 4.5 trillion of these things thrown away every year worldwide, constituting by count here in the U.S. 30% of the total litter on shorelines and waterways and on land what is this most common form of litter (coughs) yeah cigarette butts meaning in effect cigarette remnants with filters attached but do birds really swallow cigarette butts yes they do and not only that they have been commonly observed feeding cigarette butts to their fledglings Scientists, meanwhile, have been tracking ingestion of plastic by seabirds for decades... ...and they've discovered that things have changed over that period of time... ...a lot, and not in a good way. In 1960, plastic was found in the stomachs of fewer than 5% of seabirds. By 1980, that ingestion level had jumped to 80%. But now, so much plastic trash is flowing into our oceans that 90% of seabirds now consume plastic. And by 2050, it's expected that virtually every seabird in the world will be consuming plastic. That finding, released in a new study published this month, tracks for the first time how widespread the effect of plastics on seabirds has become. That was shocking, said Chris Wilcox, a research scientist with Australia's Commonwealth Scientific an industrial research organization and lead author of the study. And he says, quote, "...essentially the number of species and number of individuals within species that you find plastic in is going up by a couple percent every year." End quote. Plastics found inside birds include, among many other things, bags, bottle caps, synthetic fibers from clothing, cigarette filters and tiny bits of plastic that have broken down into rice grain and smaller size pieces. Yes, those filters do include a plastic substance. The most disturbing finding, Mr. Wilcox says, is the link between the increasing rate of plastics manufacturing and the increasing rate at which the material is saturating seabirds. Wilcox says that global plastic production doubles every 11 years. That means... That in the next 11 years, we'll make as much plastic as we've made since plastic was invented. And the level of seabird's ingestion of plastic is increasing in lockstep with that production increase. Well, here's a happy conservation salute of the week. It's a bird conservation salute, and it goes to a trucker in Turkey by the name of Bahattin Gurses who makes his living by transporting goods between cities with his semi-truck. He'd parked his vehicle in front of his house during Ramadan, and after the holiday break, he found a bird's nest in the engine compartment. He said he couldn't dare to start it, fearing that it would damage the nest and kill the baby birds. Friends told him the birds would be out of there within a couple of weeks, but it took a lot longer than that, so Bahatin waited and waited and waited for 45 days until the birds fledged and flew away. He said, Yesterday I saw the birds flying and it was the first time I started my truck after one and a half months. We're very happy as I can now start to earn again. So a Talking Birds conservation salute goes to Turkish trucker Bahattin Gurses. By the way, his daughter said, there were times when my father went for a week for work and I missed him very much. Thanks to the birds, my father has been with us at home for 45 days, so I am very lucky. Guess who else is very lucky? It's it's we here at Talking Birds. Lucky to have a chance to say thank you to three more Talking Birds listeners who've become Talking Birds ambassadors and graciously allowed us to send some of our info, info cards to them to help spread the word about our show, and about birds and conservation. They include Bill Kerrigan from New Concord, Ohio, who describes himself as a relatively new birder. Thanks, Bill, and thanks for the kind comments. And thank you to Vincent P. from Saugus, Massachusetts. Vincent says he spends part of his Sunday mornings sitting outside, listening to our show on WCAP 980 AM Lowell, Mass., via TuneIn. And he says he plans on being a loyal listener, both to learn and enjoy. Well, thank you, Vincent. And now some avian-inspired alliteration. As we say thanks to Mary Ellen Mastriani from Marshfield, Massachusetts, who says, I look forward to spreading the word about talking birds, all the while learning even more about the fascinating birds in Marshfield and beyond. Thank you so much, Mary Ellen. Well, Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Ambassadors family along with Mary Ellen, Vincent, and Bill, and many others by allowing us to send you some of our info cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders. To join the family, just visit our website, talkingbirds.com, click on the Contact button, and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Till the come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Mike will uh, tell us about why birds put food in bird baths. And up next, a rather unloved but undeniably ubiquitous little bird is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Let's call it. Dumb Idea number 1852. We picked that number because it was in the year 1852 that some probably well-meaning individuals in Brooklyn, New York, somehow thought it would be a swell idea to release a certain kind of European bird, the one we know as the house sparrow, into North America. By most accounts, they did it in part, after apparently no research at all, to help control insects even though this species mostly eats grain and seeds and cinnamon munchkins, and partly to offer a touch of familiarity to new immigrants from Europe. By 1900, the house sparrow had established populations as far west as the Rocky Mountains, and its western spread was aided by some other confused individuals who released house sparrows in Salt Lake City, Utah and in San Francisco, They're now found just about everywhere, except for tropical rainforests and arctic regions. Because the house sparrow is generally smaller than some less aggressive native birds with which it competes, it's difficult to keep it out of nest boxes, for bluebirds for example. Attempts at control have included trapping and shooting adult house sparrows and the destruction of their nests and eggs. It should be noted that, as an introduced invasive species, house sparrows are one of just three non-game birds not protected by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act in the US and Canada. They share this questionable distinction with the rock dove, or pigeon, and the European starling. We always play the song or call of our featured friend, although in this case, somewhat reluctantly, As unattractive as many feel the house sparrow is to look at, its song, it might be argued, is equally unsatisfying to experience. Mostly a monotonous, non-musical chirp that seems a perfect match for the bird's dull and rather dirty-looking appearance. So we'll play the sound, but we'll keep it short. Passer domesticus, the house sparrow. Now the most widely distributed bird on planet Earth. In today's Talking Birds Featured Feathered Friend. You know, that bird actually sounds pretty good compared to our mystery bird uh, today, we have to say. And that mystery bird will be right along here in, the, in just a, a moment or so. Meanwhile, just a welcome again to our show, number 738. And we also welcome you to visit our website, We have a brand-new website coming very soon, by the way. Uh, That's TalkinBirds.com. And please do uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at
0: Birds. Our mystery bird contest, up in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends, so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife to preserve natural habitats and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. If you'd like to take part
2: in our mystery bird contest, just give us a call. We urge you to call as soon as you can. The number is 781 837 Four 900. Are we ready to hear this mystery bird again? Tim says it sounds like a car. Trying to start up. And if you've seen Tim's car, you know what I'm talking about. The, the old car. Not this one. The oh, old The one. new one. Is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the new, the, one new one's great. great. The new one doesn't have that problem. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay. Oh. Thank you for the call here. We have to put this on. Do not disturb. Okay. Uh, let's see. Clues in our mystery bird contest. Our bird has been described as looking unlike any other North American bird. Understandable since it comes from Pakistan originally. It's a small chicken-like bird with a short neck and tail, a grayish-brown back and chest, and a buff-colored belly with bold black and chestnut barring on the flanks. On its head, it has a black line through the eye extending down the neck and onto the chest. It has a white throat. Its bill and legs are red. Its wings are short and rounded. Our bird is found in arid Rocky areas across the western U.S. and southern Canada where it forages on the ground for the seeds on which it feeds. That's our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take a guess. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner and the prizes are beautiful, including the Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder with the unique songbird and blueberries design in a clear view of the birds right at your window. Nothing between you and the bird except that glass in the window. Plus, bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Those are the prizes, clues, and sound in our mystery bird contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Call us as soon as you can. Meanwhile, we'll find out about birds putting food in the birdbath. What's that all about? Mike O'Connor will explain it to us. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute.
1: talking birds we're for the birds and we want to say thanks to another talking birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation my name is colleen Weaver. calling from columbus ohio i decided to become a talking birds ambassador because i think it's desperately needed that people realize how important birds are to inform us
3: of the consequences of our way of living
1: talking birds listeners we hope you'll become a talking birds ambassador just visit our website talkingbirds.com click on the contact button and then choose the become an ambassador option we'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors that's the contact button at talkingbirds.com and thanks
2: It's a beautiful place. sun is always shining. Mike O'Connor is there at the Birdwatcher's General Store. But, Mike, it's been a little uh, little rough there in the last few days on beautiful Cape Cod.
4: We've turned into Tornado Alley for Pete's sake. Wow. The first time in, in my memory that we... I always thought, you know, because of the water made, you know, kind of broke up the storms, or at least uh, the tropical... Um, thundercloud storms that we wouldn't get a tornado but we had two the other day kind of did some pretty good damage to some towns but Mm -hmm. um, they missed all the trailer parks which are actually the most
2: They usually aim for those, yeah, (laughs) nobody's quite figured that out yeah, it's like those deer crossing signs, like how do they know uh, where the, anyway um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but nobody got hurt. Am I right? In the the 20- crazy uh, roofs came off
4: buildings, power lines came down, trees were on top of cars left and right, and uh, was, mm. it was ugly for a couple of days. But no, nobody got hurt. I don't, I don't, I don't get it.
2: Well, that's a we good all thing.
4: wear helmets. Maybe
2: that's why that might be part of the part of the thing there. Um, <laughs> just making fun of us, not anymore. Just birds putting. Food and bird baths have anything to do with that? That probably wouldn't wouldn't affect uh, any any of that, would it?
4: No, but I'll look into it for oh. you. Yeah, right. I, I get a lot of questions about this, especially here on the coast, where folks get in the up in the morning and they, they look in their bird bath and there's like a crab leg or a clam shell mm-hmm. or a piece of sea star or something, and mm-hmm. they you know where does it come from? You know with the tide really that high that night <laughs> <laughs> but it, it turns yeah, out a lot there. of birds well at least a couple of noted birds do that um crows are noted for it they seem to like to wash off their food almost like raccoon style maybe mm-hmm. when they dig out something and it's a little bit sandy and a little gooey they'll actually put it into water uh grackles it, at my bird bath because it was so hot last week the grackles uh, in my, I put out this kind of suet, it's more like dough, it's really dry and pasty, mm. and the grackles would grab some and go right over and put it in the bird bath, mm. and, it would, and then pick it up again and take off, and at least my theory is that they were feeding it to the young ones, because we got tons of young grackles around now, and if they're giving it to the young birds, then perhaps it was a little bit too dry, I just saw them doing it now with some sunflower seeds, the same thing, mm. they would drop it in there and take it off and fly off to the young ones with it. Now, I've got more traditional suet out now because it's cooled off a bit, and they're not doing that. So it must mm-hmm. be, at least my theory, is that the crows, being kind of <laughs> higher-educated birds, they think to a little bit more gourmet, and they want to wash their food oh. off. So, but in terms of the grackles, I don't think you know they were worried about the young birds mm-hmm. ingesting something that's dry. They do it with crackers and mm-hmm. pretzels, and they want to soak them first and, wow. and then help the BBC. But more importantly and this is an important takeaway here don't complain about it because this is important for the birds. Yeah. Put out a bird bath to, to benefit the birds. If they're doing that don't try to chase them away. They need to do it so just wash it off and get, fill All it right. up with water again.
2: And you will be selling pre-soaked suet in your store I believe too. <laughs> I'm working on that. All next. Right. Thank you Mike. Okay talk to you next week. Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod and we're back to the Mystery Bird Contest right after this. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. On the mystery bird contest, uh, we'll play this one more time and then we won't won't, uh, subject you to this anymore. Sounds like Tim's old card, not the new one. That's our mystery Maybe bird. Maybe the first
4: one, actually. The se- the last one was pretty good, too. Oh, Anyways, okay. all, so, right. all right. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs>
2: no problem. Our mystery bird described as looking like uh, or unlike any other <laughs> North American bird. Small chicken like bird with a short neck and tail. Uh, what is it? 781 837 4900, a beautiful, droll Yankees feeder, and a download to the LarkWire app or online access. Our prizes. And uh, I believe we have Carolyn in York. Pennsylvania. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Nice to hear from you, Carolyn. Are are you a new listener or have you found our show recently? Or
3: Gosh, I've been listening for years. I'm years an ambassador.
2: I, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, you're, oh, you're Carolyn, our ambassador in New York, Pennsylvania. I am. Why didn't I, I think of that? Well, thank you, thank you for that, <laughs> we Carolyn. We
3: have hundreds, hundreds
2: of ambassadors. Oh, so. yes, indeed. Thank you so much. All right. Well, let's see our mystery bird contest. Before we run out of time, uh, uh, what do you th- what do you think that uh, bird is? I think it's a chuckar. A chuckar, Tim. Chup, uh, we got a thumbs up from Tim. Yes, that. we have a winner, and his car just started Wait. up. Oh, <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, we have a winner, and it is uh, and it is you, Carolyn. And if you'll stand the line, Tim will talk to you directly about all this. Excellent, will do. (laughs) Thank you, Carolyn. All right, Carolyn, our wonderful Talking Birds ambassador in York, Pennsylvania, correctly identifying the chukar, kind of an unusual bird originally from Pakistan. In fact, they tell us it is the national bird of Pakistan. But we're out of time here for our show this morning. Thank you so much for being with us, and we hope you'll join us next week. We have some really amazing guests coming along in the uh, next several weeks. We'll be talking about them on our Facebook page and stuff like that, and on our next show as well. Uh, Meanwhile, thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher. Thanks for your participation and your creation of that Science Corner Report this morning. Debbie, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
0: Ray Brown's Talkin' Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Or Leans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club loves talking birds. Every month we invite you to see the latest avian activity around Rhode Island on one of our free walks. Check out our schedule on our website, oceanstatebirdclub.org, and follow us on Facebook for the latest and greatest in birding that Rhode Island has to offer. Ocean State Bird Club.